Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Batten down the hatches, Derek. We're heading off into a deep space adventure. We got to go find a black hole and orbit it or go to a water world. Nope, we're not going to Interstellar. We're going to the Disney animated classic Treasure Planet. Welcome to Wonder Tour, where today my favorite word, actually my favorite letter, is R. (laughs) All right, well, we are back. Uh, We are in episode 39 today, and I had to open with my best pirate voice there, Drew, um, because I just just love it. I love uh, love pirate movies, and it's a very specific type of... uh, I don't know genre is it a genre pirate movies Are those i don't a know genre? if it's a genre <laughs> I, i've never seen it on a genre sheet pirate movies but maybe <laughs> i mean this is like a it's like a space opera type of a movie though it does have that kind of thing going on there a little bit though i mean obviously it's an adaption from treasure island which was kind of the original space travel right traveling the world on on the water yeah it's it's uh, if you've ever seen Harlock, Space Pirate, um, it's interesting. That's a Japanese anime, and it's similar to this. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I was drawing a lot of parallels the whole time I was watching. I was like, well, this is like Harlock a little bit. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about it, though, was the fact that the vacuum of space wasn't. <laughs> so all those things we did, you know, had to deal with an interstellar. These inconveniences of space, uh, they really weren't in play here, right? Suspension of disbelief, right? Yeah, I think it was a, it was like a direction style that they had here. That there's some fun sci-fi stuff, but because it's a Disney movie, they also kept it very cartoony, and so they kind of left in those typical, oh, we got a dog species and a frog species, and you know what I mean? They had like parts that almost called back to some of the other movies from you know that era early 2000s and and the 90s as well oh yeah i really liked it yeah i mean the whole cuckoo dolls aspect of it i mean i was like this is this is really jamming late 90s here early 2000s you know oh i i always go back to that jim's theme that john rejeznik and james newton howard on the on the soundtrack the soundtrack is awesome for this movie all right, Derek. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about Treasure Planet here. I, I guess normally I'm the one giving you the kind of interesting points about it. But I think here this is just a movie that I've always come back to. And the reason as we're kind of starting out our journey today is because it's a coming of age story. It 
for me as a kid, you know, of course, you come across many coming of age stories and they don't mean anything to you until you're old enough to actually have done some coming of age. <laughs> and then suddenly, I don't know about you, but all these coming of age stories then became I don't, nostalgic. Uh, I, I just related to them very much and I still relate to them. How does coming of age stories impact you? Are there any specific stories that have impacted you, Derek, or kind of what does it mean to you? I think the coming of age process I've read before, you know, it's every seven years you kind of have a coming of age. And uh, so I think that if you can think about your life going through multiple cycles of coming of age and there, if there's any movie that touches on that, um, at, at any of the seasons, people call it seasons, right? You know, I mean, I've heard it called seasons a lot. You know, you go through seasons. Um, I think that's the same thing. I think there is a, a lot of similarities there. I think sometimes when people talk about seasons, it's more the external you. And then what you're talking about with the coming of age is like the internal you, how you're impacted by your environment, by those who are, you know, who you have deep relationships with and then yeah. how you respond to it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I think you've maybe just today straightened that out for me a little better because I, I think that is exactly how it goes. And if you think about farming, if you've ever done any kind of farming or if you've ever worked the land, um, you know, you're out there in the elements and summer is my absolute favorite. I love summer and that is the season, right? But while I'm out there, I am thinking about all the things, you know, what it means to me, right? And I think that's if you can have those thoughts and those, uh, you know, those musings, you know, while it's going on, that's the coming of age process, you know. So, you know, you're kind of going through all these different things. You just kind of, you know, the thing is, I think it's the adversity of the coming of age that if you can overcome some adversity, uh, much like our main character here in Treasure Planet. You know, you can actually achieve coming of age. You can. Can you fail at coming of age? Can you just fail to come to age? Um, I think you can have a coming of age narrative arc, and you can fail to have good character development as a result of it. Because really, in a coming of age story, ideally you're getting good character development out of it. And I think that you can have failed character development in coming of age. Yeah, this that's is just a theory. <laughs> I know, no, no, I, I like that because I think it's okay. So you, I, I like to think of it like this. It's kind of like um, you ever play those Lego games on yeah, of course. Any platform. <laughs> so that those games kind of annoy me a little bit sometimes because uh, it's like, oh, well, you got three out of four. Oh, well, you got you know ninety nine percent, and you're like, I don't know what that other percent is. Uh, a lot of times, I think you know you have these opportunities to come to age, you maybe think back after you did it, maybe, did I miss something? Was there a percent left? Was there 20% left? Was there 10% left? You know, you don't really know. I mean, there is a little bit of mystery of, did I make the most of that situation that I possibly could have? Oh, does that make sense? That's really helpful to me to talk about coming of age or development uh, in terms of did I get 100% out of it in some ways we want to think like that towards the future maybe but not towards the past because once it's already cemented 
there's no use in thinking, did I get 100% out of that? We just have to be understanding of what we did get out of it and reflect on that towards the future and the present rather than looking towards the past. So I, yeah, I like how you're saying it, it does agitate you a little bit. Did I get the most out of that transformative event or that coming of age kind of narrative arc that I just went on? And the answer is none of us usually get 100% out of it. There's just been a time or two where I felt like I've pretty much squeezed the juice out of the orange there. But most of the time, I, you know, you're left wondering, was there more? Could I have done something different? And I, I don't think that those are the type of what if scenarios that we're about here on the Wonder Tour. Yeah, but I think that's what's on people's minds at times. You know, they, they do maybe think back. And, you know, I was thinking as you're talking, I think there's you get 100% but it's just dispersed in different ways. So it could be dispersed as a spike that really drives you in a specific dimension of who you are. And then there's also the fact that you could flatten the curve, you know, and the curve gets flattened out and it just kind of adds to you as a whole. Right. And I think you've explained to me several times on this show, you've talked about pulling the veil. You're like, you only get to pull the veil a few times in your life. And he's, you know, you, you really, I mean, I, that for me was very, it's funny because you said it after the veil had been pulled several times on me. <laughs> and then I go back and reflect on the fact that I had a veil pull, you know, and it's a moment where you kind of, that's a, that t- typically ends up being a spike. Uh, however, if it's like a emergency or something, you don't know if you did the right thing, you know, whatever. Um, you still, you know, you either get a spike or you kind of grow in a multidimensional way. And that, that may be like not available. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. let's tailor this to the conversation today. We're finishing out our series on Becoming Curious Explorers. This has really been a passion project, this series here, Becoming Curious Explorers for me. I have feel myself being a little bit more confident in myself as an explorer here through what we've gone through and i think we're going to end this by talking about jim hawkins our protagonist in treasure planet here jim has a couple pulling away the veil moments here he starts out as kind of a you know he's not a bad kid but he's not necessarily a good kid either right he's not going you know he's not doing his studies and getting straight a's and stuff like that he's kind of not doing what his parents are asking, what his mom's asking him to do, and it seems like he's a little bit, a uh, little bit mischievous. But over the course of the movie, he has these moments where the veil gets pulled back, which again is is not the only way that we go through these coming of age stories, but it is definitely one way that we go through this. One is when Mister Arrow uh, gets pulled off the or gets thrown off the ship, gets cut off. Um, the Scroop, the spider guy, cuts him off the ship, and Jim blames himself in that moment. So he kind of, that's exactly what you were talking about there, almost as when you look back and you're like, dang it, like that was my chance to do whatever. That was my chance to grow. That was my chance to be a hero, and I didn't succeed in it. Yeah, you kind of lament. You get into a uh, lamenting cycle, right? Uh, but that's not, it's not productive for your coming of age. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit. So like you, you want to at least look back and say, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on the past, but at the same time, you know, you can say a certain habit, you know, if you can reframe it, 
then that, I think that's fine. You know, if you want to reframe a habit that you have, I have a habit of, oh, you know, pulling back when the situation gets tough, you know, maybe that's something to take forward, right? And try to catch that same situation next time and say, boom, I'm going to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think, think there was a lot going on in that scene and losing Mr. Arrow, you know, these things happen, you know, and it wasn't always necessarily like, you know, your fault, right? It's not necessarily in this case, Jim's fault. <laughs> the guy, the other guy kind of acted, you know, autonomously. I mean, it wasn't right. For Based sure. Decision. Yeah. We need to take the blame and the fall if it is our fault, but we have to be careful in definitively saying that something is someone's fault. I'm not saying that everything is relative, but I am saying that most things fall somewhere on a spectrum of uh, kind of blame and fault and who, you know, who did what versus <laughs> being black and white. So I think that's one thing that we can look at here. So as we're kind of making our way up the mountain here, Derek, you're on a hike, you got up on this beautiful morning, the sun came up, you got yourself, you know, we wandered around a little bit here. We've talked about this. We've talked about that. We've engaged our curiosity. We looked at a weird looking tree. We're coming to the top, uh, the peak of the hike. Talk to me about what our peak of our hike here is for our mountaintop is that's going to give us this great view of becoming curious explorers and help us to learn and take something away. Well, he definitely, I mean, you know, had this opportunity to revel in, you know, what the planet was, you know. So, I mean, if you're if you're talking about that peak, you know, where he finds the treasure. Right. But then it's all for naught, uh, essentially. And it's kind of like got this like Goonies feel to it, too. And maybe we'll maybe we'll do Goonies <laughs> in some episode, you know. Um, but I remember in that one, too, I was like, man, it didn't even get the treasure. Right. I just, you know, it's just frustrating. You only get like a couple pieces of it or whatever. And um, it's very I don't know. I think there's something there about that you know, and this, this mountaintop, uh, moment where you only get a little bit of the treasure and then you realize, uh, I don't know, it's it's not a want, want moment, but it's kind of like, it's not at all. I told you the adventure and the coming of age was the treasure, you know, (laughs) we know it is, (laughs) it is the treasure, something deeper though. Right. Yeah. Well, there has to be. And and sometimes (laughs) it is, we don't like to be that straightforward, but sometimes I think it is that straightforward. So that the treasure is the character development and the relationship development along the way. And that's what we see Jim getting when we reach the mountaintop and look down. Right. We're, we're seeing this this vista. And for me, the, the still image that I'm seeing is when Jim is teetering off or, you know, Jim is falling. And now you have the opportunity for John Silver to either let Jim go or and and run away with the ship with all the treasure on it which is what he's been after for all these years or he can save his kind of surrogate son jim and he's going to lose all of the treasure and of course it is a disney movie and we are you know it is a coming of age movie so john silver the the mentor in this movie is also changed and perhaps has changed much more even than Jim is on this journey that they've gone on because he does, he saves Jim. That's the moment is when he grabs Jim instead of grabbing the treasure. Yeah. And well, let's talk about, you know, John Silver's coming of age here. Right. So let's think about how maybe he hadn't progressed for years. 
right? I mean, he got his got his hand chopped off because he's a cyborg, right? He's had some rough times <laughs> out there, the non-vacuous space, um, you know, and who knows what he's encountered. Could have been a Kraken. I just like saying Kraken. It's just like a cool word. Um, but you just you don't know what he has uh, dealt with before that. And and maybe he just kind of got into the pirate grind, you know, it's like, well, we got up today and did some fishing and robbed some different land lovers. You know, I guess it's still land lover in space. I think so. Planet lover. That's what I meant to say. Planet lover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, you kind of get into this grind, you get into a rut. And I mean, it can happen in, in space operas, you know, space dramas, whatever it may be. Um, and I think maybe that's when, you know, he got to that point and, and it, it pushed him. He finally decided I'm going to come of age. Right. And Jim is, has inspired me to do that. Um, because maybe, maybe one coming of age inspires another, right? It does. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. And when you're curious about somebody else's coming of age, I think that's when you actually care. Mm. Mm, that's good and and jim is inherently curious of course right he wants to go on this journey he's always looking at reading this book about the treasure that he's going to go try and find and then he finally gets the opportunity and of course he goes for it and he really at first he you know he's not quite understanding what he needs to do on this ship but eventually he gets to the point where he's really fully bought in and he's made friends along the way and this journey is everything to him at the moment right but he doesn't get so caught up on the treasure that he's, you know, that he isn't willing to part with it at the end. And so when he makes the choice and he kind of because of he's curious, he's able to get them back out of the treasure planet um, through some of his ingenuity. But that there's no point when he teaches his mentor something. Right. It's not like he's there's a whiteboard and he's up there, you know, <laughs> taking and his mentors in, in the seats taking notes. <laughs> It's instead just the way that he acts. And he, I mean, Jim is somebody who's full of wonder, right? Yeah, that drives him, this full of wonder attitude. Curiosity can be, you know, we've talked about this in the past episodes, um, you know, that curiosity can be inspiring to others when they see it with its purity, right? And I think that's what's on display here is the purity of his curiosity. Mm, And it's almost as if when we have that pure curiosity, when really curiosity for the good of others, which Jim does exhibit here, right? He is trying to take some of these other people along with him on this journey. He really, again, what we talked about with uh, Mr. Arrow thing, he really feels a sense of responsibility for the people that he's on this journey with for his team. It's almost like when, even though the the mentor here, Silver, is also the antagonist, which is a really interesting coming of age kind of twist on this. If you have a pure curiosity, when someone else touches you who has an impure curiosity, it's almost like it can't permeate. And in fact, it can be quite the opposite, where when they touch your pure curiosity, it can actually that pure curiosity can actually resonate back through them and clean some of their own air and it can actually help them to 
see more clearly. It can like clear the the fog from the lenses. And then maybe suddenly they can realize, hey, I've been operating in a, you know, in a vacuum here. I've been operating, you know, just out of selfishness instead of operating out of love. I really like that. I was thinking about how when you're sick, you kind of have the VIX, you know, and how you get like a whiff of that. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> and I think that it's similar to that when you um, encounter inspiring curiosity in the context of a coming of age. Because you see someone who hasn't, they haven't been hurt yet by the world. They haven't been hurt by other people's uh, mistakes that they've, you know, maybe made and they've brought into the relationship with that younger person or whatever. And just kind of like, you know, I think that's really like a nice thing, you know, when you've been through some stuff, you've been through some junk in life, whatever it may be. And. And you kind of see somebody come into it and you're like, they make me want to be a better person because you remember what it was like maybe at that stage and how clueless you were, right? And how curious you were and the wonder that you had. And so there's just a lot there um, that I think happens all at the same time. And it so we want does to, have the power to change. It does. It. This is a strong power because really what you're doing we're on a wonder tour and we care so much about stories. What you're doing is you're helping to straighten out somebody else's story by showing them a different story or a different version of the story. You're intertwining your story with them and you can make a huge change to their story through that. I've mentioned on the podcast before, you know, a personal experience that I had with one really one time over the course of a couple days. When I was in a really bad place, a guy came through <laughs> named Steve King, and the, he operated with all the magnanimous character that we can talk about here on the Wonder Tour. And when he did that, it was a purifying light that came through and shined on me. And I don't even know how it happened, right? But it's like all of the foggy glasses. It was like a Vicks vapor rub. That's the perfect analogy for it. It's you're like, whoa, suddenly my sinuses are clear. Now I can breathe again. Like and, and once that happens to you, in my experience, the only response is to realize if somebody else would do something like that for me and for everybody else, then I need to do the same thing for somebody else. I, that's my only choice. That's all I can do while I'm here on the on this planet, walking this land. Like my only choice is to step up and act that way for somebody else. I love that, and I think once you're aware. Last episode, we talked in the Matrix about magnanimous posturing. I think this is magnanimous positioning. And when you're positioning yourself magnanimously, you are kind of getting yourself ready. You're using empathy. You're thinking about, um, you know, where that person's at. You're curious about where they're at. You want to understand where they're at in their story and their narrative. And then you start to shine that shine that warm light, right? And you do it at the right time with the right strength. And that can, you know, potentially get somebody through, right? It can help them change in their coming of age story and have that the right circumstances. Now we're kind of flipping it back because, you know, we're saying that, you know, before Jim was helping John and and that's fine. Now let's we're kind of playing out the scenario where John was magnanimous. He's not, but what if he was magnanimous? 
I think that would be the positioning that he would have taken uh, to be the most positive influence in Jim's life. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's by shining that warm light. If we're going back to our episode on Raging Against the Dying of the Light in Interstellar, at the end of this series, let's kind of wrap some of these curious explorer concepts all up into one. We said that we're carriers of the light. And if we are carriers of hope and light, then, of course, what we would want to do is to turn that warm light and face it on other people and make sure that they're, you know, as they're freezing up due to the cold of the world, that you are shining your warm light on them. And thus, they might be able to, if they warm up, warm somebody else up through that. It's a that's why we're curious explorers. And this is to me, this is an excellent ending to this series because we have to end on for the good of others. It's not about becoming curious so that you can explore, you can be the next Magellan and you can come up with, you know, you can travel the world or something like that. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But if that's our reasoning for being curious explorers, then we're going to always fall short of the mark. We're not going to be able to make the tough decisions when the time comes to do so. We have to be doing it for other people. Otherwise, we'll, we'll fall short. And that is going to lead us directly into our next series, Derek, here on integrity, because I think we have to constantly be be intertwining these concepts. And I'm still struggling a little bit with even how to talk about it of we do this to develop magnanimous character. But the idea of magnanimous character is that I have good character so that other people can benefit from it. And so there's this constant back and forth of, well, I need to better myself. And, and, and I want to be the best version that I can be. And I'm doing so only because other people can benefit from it, only because I can sow seeds of hope and shine the warm light on somebody else. Boom. I think you just dropped the truth right there. That was so good. And yeah, I'm excited for this next series on integrity. Um, looking forward to it. We are going to be kicking that off in the next two episodes with Encanto. And so I'm really, really excited about that. So thanks for listening this time. Remember, if you want to hit us up on uh, Twitter, if you want to have any other additional thoughts on this episode, just note the episode number and start the thread. We'll see you next time. And uh, remember, all who wonder are not lost. Bye.